Welcome to Precept to Practice, another CE Impact podcast. CE Impact is a leader in pharmacy education and lifelong learning. Visit www.ceimpact.com and look for the Pharmacy Network in the App Store on your mobile device for more information. The Precept to Practice podcast is dedicated to preceptors, the individuals who volunteer their time to help students become the best practitioners they can be. We all lead busy lives, from balancing professional responsibilities to managing our personal and home lives. It's hard to find time to grow and learn. This podcast is for the professional preceptor who wants to thrive and is looking for the tips and tricks to succeed. Our goal is to help navigate precepting and help you become the best teacher and mentor you can be. Hello, preceptors and podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of P2P, the CE Impact podcast dedicated to preceptors and their unique role in pharmacy education. Often, I know I've heard colleagues talk about the lack of resilience or grit that they feel they're seeing in their students and residents on a more frequent basis, that the pressure to succeed at all costs in a competitive profession has led to an inability to take chances and embrace the potential for failure something that we all know is critical to growth and learning. Today, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Michael Rupp to the podcast. Dr. Rupp is a professor of pharmacy administration at Midwestern University Glendale, a preceptor and a researcher. He spent a significant amount of time studying the concepts of grit, failure, and their relationship with each other, particularly within the healthcare space. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rupp. Hey, thank you, Kathy. um, uh, It's a pleasure for me to be here. Great. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I'd like to begin by having you share just a little bit about your interest, your personal interest in this topic, why you've chosen to make it a focus in your own professional and and personal life. Okay. Well, to begin, I have a very deep experience in failure because I've had lots of opportunities to fail in my life, uh, including my professional career. And I've taken many of those opportunities and I've failed. And as a result of that, uh, I think I've, I've learned a lot about failure. Uh, I have to say that looking back, it was relatively late in my life that I started understanding the upside of failure. In my younger life, I think I was like most people, I avoided it like the plague. And when it happened, I tried to get past it as quickly as possible because let's face it, failure is painful. It's painful sometimes physically, It's always painful emotionally. It's usually humiliating. We talk about fearing failure. I think most people don't so much fear failure as they fear being perceived as a failure by others. And so there's lots of reasons to try to get past it. And I guess it was in graduate school, frankly, where I was placed in a position where failure was simply not an option. And and sometimes that's the case, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're put in a position where we can't fail. And before you're in that position, you better have failed a lot and learned a lot from failure and learned how to avoid it and respond positively and productively to it. So it was graduate school and and that situation, I think, that that really brought it to the fore in my mind. I I didn't really start formalizing my thoughts about this 
until a few years ago when I was asked to present during what we call orientation boot camp to new students. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that uh, a great presentation topic would be failure. I've been in academia for over 35 years now, and I've become increasingly aware that we have students coming to us, matriculating to our program that have never really had the opportunity to fail. Uh, they had parents like, frankly, I was. They had helicopter moms. They had snowplow dads who tried to protect their kids in their own best interest from all these traumatic things that happen in their life. But as a result, they never really had the opportunity to fail. And as a result of that, they never had the opportunity to learn from failure. And so I, I sat down and just started putting together my thoughts. And the first thing that occurred to me were, you know, these principles. Failure is inevitable. It's going to happen. You can't avoid it. Number two, failure is necessary for, for real growth. Real growth requires us to have failed and, and learn from it. And, you know, essentially that failure is, is good. I'm, I'm laughing to myself because I'm thinking of that character that Michael Douglas played in Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, where he says, greed is good. Uh, <laughs> but failure, failure can be good. It certainly is necessary. It certainly is essential. It certainly is inevitable. And, and so I just decided, well, we need to be more analytical about this. I need to be more analytical about my own failures. And, and I, I was really kind of talking to myself. This is, this is my experience and maybe it will resonate with you. And I'm hoping that the presentation that I provided, which is really intended not for preceptors themselves, but through preceptors and other mentors and tutors in working with younger people. So yeah. I guess that's my background. Yeah, that's great. That's interesting. Um, and thanks for the call out on the course that you're referring to as a course that's on our website that takes a deeper dive into some strategies around embracing failure and, and creating a healthy environment for students. And we'll talk about that a little bit more toward the end of the podcast. In your experience, Dr. Rupp, maybe you can share a little bit about what you've seen in students. You know, what is grit? You know, you touched on that concept there in your opening statement. And what does it look like in a pharmacy learner? And maybe on the flip side of that, what does the absence of it look like? Right, right. When I think about grit, I think a lot of, of synonyms, right? Initiative, people with grit demonstrate initiative. Determination, resilience, or uh, the kind of awkward cousin that we use now, resiliency. Resolve, commitment, tenacity, persistence self-reliance uh, is, is an important mm -hmm. part of it. You know, there's, there's lots of terms that, that capture part of grit, as, at least as I kind of operationally define it. As I indicated in, in my program, one of the terms that I like is a term that's become obsolete, but I used to hear it a lot from my grandparents. And I always heard it from my grandparents in a positive sense. They would talk about people that they admired that had gumption. And again, it's a word that you don't hear much anymore. It's just not used a lot anymore. But gumption is, is a good word for it. Nick Offerman, actually, the comedian, has a, has a book called Gumption. And he's one of the few people that, that I've heard use it since Robert Piercing in Zen uh, <laughs> and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, who was obviously a man that demonstrated a lot of gumption. So if you put all those terms together, that's kind of what a, a student with grit looks like. Mm -hmm. And a student without grit 
just just lacks those. They don't have the type of, of determination. They don't have the, the self-reliance. They don't have the resilience. To a large extent, they don't have the self-confidence. It takes having faced a situation where you were not sure you were going to be able to do it and then just grind your way through a few times mm -hmm. to develop that self-confidence. And so it's it really is just the absence of the opportunity to fail and to learn from that and hopefully to do it in a supportive environment. And that was that's really my point to the students. My point to incoming students is you will have an opportunity to fail here. You might not have ever had an opportunity to fail anywhere before. Somebody might have always been there to catch you. There was a net. There was somebody to support you. Here, that won't be the case. Some of you will take that opportunity to fail. And I want to tell you, it's not fatal. Um, you can learn from that. And so if, if people and students and other people, our, our children, are given the opportunity, but also the permission, right? The permission to fail insofar as they understand that they're expected to learn from that. And failure going forward should be um, a lower probability situation. Then I, I think something, something good uh, comes from that. Mm -hmm. Students that don't have it, they're fragile. Yeah. And they break easily. They don't bend and then snap back. They just break. And it's, it's difficult to watch. I, I serve on our uh, what we call student promotion and graduation committee. And so people, students with academic performance issues come before our, our, our committee. And, and I see it a lot. They just lack that ability to recognize, hey, it didn't go my way. Uh, I made some mistakes. Uh, there were things that were outside of my control. And now I recognize those and I will try to anticipate them. And going forward, here's my plan. They just come in as, as emotional wrecks. And I don't think that has to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are great points. I spent 12 years in experiential education um, at uh, the university here in Des Moines. And, you know, there were a couple of different things that were just sort of common themes in mentoring students as they were preparing for experiential learning or for planning for their APPE year specifically. And getting students to realize that this was an opportunity to take those risks while they were working under someone else's license. So in a safe environment, knowing that they, you know, preparing them to, to fail some of the time, you know, but getting them to embrace those opportunities was sometimes a really difficult conversation. They were much more inclined um, oftentimes to just take the safe route, you know, take, uh, go, go into experiences where they felt they were stronger as opposed to going into experiences where they had the most to learn. So yeah, you just, you called out a lot of, I think, really important things. The other thing that, you know, we would often have conversations about is sort of balancing confidence with a recognition that there will be failure and that there will be consequences to that failure. And that's okay. Confidence isn't perfection it's all of those words that you, you know, use to describe grit, right? Right, exactly. You know, you, you touched on an important aspect there too. And, and that's what I call the opportunity cost of failure. There's a direct cost, obviously. And we're all familiar sure. with that, but there's an opportunity cost too. And the opportunity cost is, it makes some people less willing to attempt the audacious, to attempt things that, that otherwise they might have, and they might've succeeded but they're so cautious, they're so fearful of failure 
that they don't. And we need to encourage people to attempt, you know, the grand, the audacious, the things that we're not sure are even doable, much less if we can do them. I don't think that someone that, that doesn't have a, a healthy sense of, of failure and, and what it is and how to overcome that maintains that willingness to take those, those risks that we need to, to encourage people to take. You know, sometimes there's just rough patches in life and, and you just have to grind through them. And that's just all it is. It's just grinding through those rough patches, getting through them, learning what you can from them and putting them behind you and going on. So. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Let's talk a little bit about how might in the current environment of, you know, your traditional experiential environment, whether it be for an IPPE student, an APPE student, resident, a pharmacy learner who's a resident, what are experiential environments? What are we doing to contribute to those barriers at this point, do you think? That is a really good question. I mean, that's really kind of the question to some extent. Kind of the old question of what should we do less of? What should we do more of? What should we stop doing (laughs) in experiential learning? You know, we we teach our students and encourage our students, particularly in a a science-based program like pharmacy, to be very analytical about everything. But we don't teach them and encourage them to be analytical about themselves. And I think there's a lot of students that are subject to failure and not responding positively to it that just have never taken the time to try to get to know who they are. And I'm a lifelong student of of philosophy, primarily Western philosophy. And I think that was one of the most attractive aspects of philosophy is reading philosophy, reading other people's thoughts. It allowed me to connect with with me. And I started seeing myself when I think in a much more realistic way. Uh, And it's interesting that many of our students don't, don't really think of, of themselves in terms of who I am, what I am, what I think, what I believe, what I don't believe, why I believe what I believe or don't believe. Uh, and so I, I think that's part of it. In terms of the experiential environment and, and really just educational environment in general, I, I think that we need to give students the opportunity to fail. I would like to see us be more willing to place students in situations where success is not a given maybe intentionally put them in situations where they may fail, even where failure is likely. Now, naturally, if we do that, if we put students intentionally in situations where failure is a high probability, then our assessment has to, you know, adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. We can't adjust it. We can't put somebody, set somebody up for failure, and then when they fail, uh, assess them poorly. If we're going to put them in those situations for the purpose of them perhaps failing or marginally succeeding, we need to be assessing them on how they respond to that, not on how they, they actually did the whatever the, the task was that they were given, but how did they respond to the failure? How did they respond to that? And were they accepting of, of direction? Did they learn from it? Were they analytical? Did they understand what the antecedents were that led to failure? Did they come up with a meaningful, actionable plan to try to avoid failure in, in the future. And, and that's gonna require, I mean, again, as, as, as teachers, professors, mentors, we're, we're kind of like parents. We don't wanna see our students fail. And to some extent, like parents, we have a tendency to see our students or our children's failure as our failure. 
I really think that a lot of the helicoptering and snow plowing that my wife and I did, we did in part naturally for our, for our children and to shield them from the tra trauma of, of failure. But I think a lot of it, if we were honest with ourselves, was really about us because their failure was going to reflect on us. And I think as teachers, mentors, preceptors, we are the same way and we have to get over that. We have to be willing to let our, our children, our students, our residents fail and to work with them uh, in a, you know, a, a very supportive environment to kind of muddle through and to learn from that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'd like to see more of that. But once again, that would require a real adjustment in how we assess performance. And I don't know how willing we are to do that. Yeah, that is just a really great call out. And certainly maybe some environments are more well positioned for that than others. I think the other challenge for that too is, you know, in a, in a busy practice, for instance, those kinds of things take time and intentionality and, you know, effort that might seem a little bit insurmountable, but I do think it's achievable, Dr. Rupp. I, I, I love where you're going with more of that formative assessment strategy and not always looking at the competency, but looking at how the student handled the situation exactly. and has a plan for improvement. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And you're using that, um, that R word that students love so much reflection, right? Looking inward and having capacity to, to evaluate, you know, your own thoughts and feelings and values. You know, where I see a lot of that inability or, or I guess, just the lack of opportunity to think about who they are. I see it when they create their, their CVs and talk about themselves or mm -hmm. when I give them an assignment, you know, come up with the 60 second elevator speech of, of who you are and what you bring to the organization. And a lot of those students have never, they're, they're uncomfortable talking about themselves, thinking mm -hmm. about themselves, really introspecting and reflecting on, on who they are and, and what they think. And I think it's because so much of education, unfortunately, isn't, isn't teaching students how to think. It's teaching them what to think. What to think. And we need to encourage them more. You know, here's what I think, mm -hmm. but this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. And almost anything that we provide to you is an opinion. It might be the virtually universal consensus opinion of experts, which we refer to as facts. But at the end of the day, it's just opinion. And so right. what's your opinion? What do you think? And why do you think what you think? And I think that's one of the things that, that I try to infuse in my elective uh, philosophy course that naturally you won't find in most required courses. And to some extent, you're probably looking at, at a somewhat special student that something like that is going to resonate with, but I think they, they all would, would value from it. And then yeah. getting back to the busy practices, oh boy, do I understand that. You know, it takes time. It's like, again, it's like parenting. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to carve out time. It has to be that important that you sit down and just have a conversation. Uh, and it also requires mutual trust. I mean, there, there has to be bonds of real trust if you're going to be putting people on high wires with or maybe without a net and say, go for it. There has to be trust there and that takes time. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a great point for sure. In my experience too, I think 
while students are uncomfortable talking about themselves and inexperienced at telling their own personal story, when they're given the opportunity, they, they do appreciate it. Let's talk about one last item. I'd, I'd like to leave listeners with maybe a bit of a practical tool. In the course that you uh, developed on this topic, you talk about keeping a failure resume. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? And Yeah, I, I got that idea actually from an article that I read in the New York Times. The author's point was we spend virtually the entire space of our CVs of our, or our resumes talking about all these wonderful achievements. These are the things that I've done. These are all the things that I've achieved. This is why I'm so great. And that's all well and good. And we all should have a positive you know, sense of ourselves. But the author's point was there's a lot of value in keeping track of the failures. What did we attempt? We had stated objectives and we failed to achieve them. And why did that happen? What did we learn from it? And maybe more importantly than what we learned from it, what were we subsequently able to do that had it not been for that failure and what we learned from it, what positive we took from it, that success would not have occurred. And so it was almost like you've got a, Two, two resumes or two CVs, right? You've got the CV that shows all the wonderful things you did, but most of those successes were preceded by one or more failures. And it would be worthwhile to recognize those two. And the other thing that that, that communicated to me that I took from, from that article was the idea of modeling failure. That and, and this, again, takes, takes trust. And, and it takes a certain amount of self-confidence on the part of the preceptor or the tutor or the mentor, or the parent. Say, I failed. I failed a lot. I will give you examples of how I failed. And I've had this talk with my own children. They've come to me with some pretty significant failures. And I can realistically say there is nothing that you've done that I haven't failed worse at I've done it all and be willing to, to provide those examples. And so on the one hand, keeping a CV or a resume of failure provides insight to yourself of how those failures contributed to something positive in the future. But I think they can also be valuable in, in modeling failure. We, again, as parents and as preceptors and as instructors, we're so caught up in this idea of modeling success. We want to be a role model. And role models are important, but role models don't necessarily always have to be positive. A role model can be a, have a very you know, positive, productive effect on someone's life by being a bad role model, right? This is, <laughs> right. This is an, a perfect example of what I don't want to do or what I don't want to be. So models can be used in both ways and we have a tendency to only look at the positive side and not recognize the positive implications of the negative side. Well, I think that's great advice and a, and a great spot for us to wrap up our discussion today. Well, thank you so much. This was, this was fun. I could talk to you, I think, all day about, about this topic and how it plays out in our student learners. 
But I know that listeners will appreciate the insight uh, today too. And I would invite everyone to tune in next month for another episode of Precept to Practice. And we'll be sure to explore another topic close to the heart of preceptors in today's pharmacy practice. So Dr. Rupp, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening in to today's podcast. If you'd like more information on adopting a philosophy of failure, check out the course and link provided in the show notes for this episode. The course True Grit, Developing a Philosophy of Failure is a one hour CE course that dives deeper into today's topic. As Dr. Rupp shared, failure is universal to the human experience. Grit or the ability to demonstrate tenacity, perseverance and resilience in the face of failure is a learned skill. Success requires both. Dr. Rupp's course will help you understand the causes of failure, the value of keeping a failure resume, and action steps to respond positively to failure to increase the likelihood of success for ourselves and those we mentor. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next month.